Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for Tuesday, the 18th of October 2022. Happy Tuesday to you. Get this started as quickly as humanly possible. Just tell you, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Extra content, bonus content, membership community, and free autographed books. So check it out, please. All right, let's get started quickly, shall we? All right, there is a lot going on, of course, a bunch of things happening out in the world. It is insane the way this world works, the way this administration works, the way this, this, I, I want to play, well, where do I want to start? Do I, I want to start with Kanye. I know you're sitting there going, what does this have to do with anything? It's a cautionary tale, I assure you, and it's worth listening to. It's uh it's definitely worth listening to in that far too many conservatives get wildly excited when somebody says something, a celebrity says something that sounds conservative. They go, oh, so-and-so is a conservative. Now they said one thing. They said one thing. That's all they said was one thing. You're like, don't get excited about one thing being said. Who cares if one thing was said? Everybody will say one. And did they mean it? And if you give it enough time, will they come running back and go, wait a second, I didn't mean that. I just uh, talked to my PR team and uh, oopsie. Sorry about that. And you sit there and you watch all these people freak out. You watch all these people get excited. You watch all of them praise somebody. Oh, they're a super genius. No, they're usually not. Most of them didn't finish high school. Look, if you want to know how to produce a record, if you want to be able to, if you want to sell a hit record, Kanye West is your guy. Probably not so much now, but uh, he was your guy. All of these music producers, they're, they're your guys. If you really need to sit there and figure out some complex business model for your new tech startup, they're probably not your guy. If you want somebody to fund it, they're your guy again. Suddenly, they're your guy again. But if you really want to sit there and strategize about the best way to, I don't know, do anything, <laughs> you're thinking about creating an invention that they're probably not your guy, unless it's in the music or it's in entertainment. All the actors. Uh, what's his face? Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He's your guy if you want to make a movie that's going to make some money, but he's not your guy if you want to start a medical device company and you just can't figure out that last little thing that makes the work on that medical device. He's probably not your guy. You want to figure out complicated relationship things. Leonardo DiCaprio is probably not your guy because you sit there and you lay out your problems to Leonardo DiCaprio and he sits there and he, he sips his uh, crystal and he goes, well... Here's what I would do. You know the supermodel that you're dating right now who's 19 years old? I would dump her and uh, push this button right here. And I assume you have this button too that sends another 18 or 19-year-old supermodel just hurling towards you. 
And, you know, that's it. If one of them says, I don't really feel like going to dinner right now, you just push that button. The old one goes away. The new one comes in and problem solved. I don't see why you're sitting here laboring over this thing about, geez, uh, I, I'm, my girlfriend and I are, are fighting about uh, which movie to go see Friday. You just you just push this supermodel, new supermodel button and a new supermodel shows up and the old one goes away. So, yeah, you know, it works for him. But I don't think you have a next supermodel button. So he's not going to be particularly... That's been his life, by the way, since he's like 14 years old. So I don't think he's got the real world experience that you want when seeking genuine, general life advice. Kanye West is the same way. All of these celebrities are the same way. Whenever any of them says something, we go, oh, this person just said something that was pro-Trump, or this person said something that is pro-welfare reform, or this person said something that is pro-free markets or pro-capitalism. Take it for what it's worth. Take it for what it's worth. Put it in a jar like one particularly bright firefly. But don't think that is all fireflies, or that now... This firefly loves you. I've got this firefly in a jar uh, because he uh, he said he supports capitalism. So therefore, this firefly agrees with all of my political thoughts. No, that may be that one thing in particular. And you give it enough time and you give it enough spin, that firefly will probably denounce capitalism inside of a week anyway because the team will have gotten to them and said, look, here's your balance sheet. Here's what you get after taxes and paying all your agents and everything. And here's what you spend every month. You're going to blow through your net worth. inside. If you like living the way you're living, you're going to blow through your uh, savings inside of uh, three years. So you need to work again or you need to significantly curtail your lifestyle. And if you need to work again, you're going to need to be in the good graces of the left wing mob. So here you go. They'll betray you every single time. In Kanye's case, well, in most of the cases, it, a lot of it stems from these people not... Look, if you're going to be a, a world-class athlete or a world-class actor or musician or whatever, there are very few of them who become wildly successful after the age of, say, 30 or 40, right? It just... just does, I can't think of the last musician in the, over the age of 25 who became a smashing hit out of the blue. Those people tend to be fine. They tend to have lived normal lives or normal-ish lives and then came into fame and they, they tend to be more grounded. The people who are famous since they're teenagers or 20-year-olds, they, they have no basis in reality because nobody's around them to tell them no. So when they say something, maybe they believe it, but they don't really believe it. Maybe they thought it at the moment, but they don't necessarily really believe it because they probably don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about that super yacht to private jet to mansion supermodels along the way there's not a whole lot of time to really sit down and think about uh, i don't know the economics of the country in general especially when you're a multi-billionaire so kanye west i guess it was two weeks ago now has said some things on tucker carlson's show that people got excited about i did not i warned at the time don't get too excited about this. He's a little bit crazy. He's a little bit crazy. And he's been filthy rich a very long time, a good portion of his life, most of his life, as a matter of fact. So his 
already healthy ego is certainly not going to be... Uh, it's not going to let him be quiet. It's not going to cause him to go, maybe this thought shouldn't be expressed, or maybe I should learn more about this before I speak about it. Instead, he just went crazy. Now, in Tucker's interview, he said a couple of things that were uh, weirdly anti-Semitic, seemingly out of the blue, that were very much along the lines of the uh, black Hebrew Israelites. Remember those guys that were they were involved in the uh, Nick Sandman thing. They were sitting there rambling on about uh, white people and Jews and black people. and Jews. It was their racist group. And in Tucker's interview, he'd said a couple of things that were sort of in line with that. And then in the uh, outtakes that uh, Vice magazine somehow got their hands on, he said even more things. And you sit there and you go, geez, what a, I'm not sure I would have, I never would have said this guy was a genius if he knew he had this problem with Jews. And then on a podcast over the weekend, Kanye West went even further down the black Hebrew Israelite uh, anti-Semitic rabbit hole. It's not really rabidly anti-Semitic in the way that you'd think of, you know, anti-Semitism as far as like the Nazis went. This is weirdly conspiratorial, black helicoptery kind of anti-Semitism where there's a big Jewish conspiracy around the world and all Jews, every Jew is all Jews and things. It's just weird. I don't, I don't fully understand it except that it's it's not smart, it's not true, it's not right, and it's, it's anti-Semitic. Let's listen to a little bit of Kanye attacking Jews on this podcast. And let me tell you one thing. It's like if a black man is caught with some in a car or something, everybody in the car is going to go to jail for, with him, right? But if a black man can play basketball or rap, only he gets the record deal. So meaning like if one black man does something bad, all the other blacks get caught with him. If one black man does something good, Nobody else gets nothing with them. It's a reverse for the Jewish people, right? right. If if a Jewish person could repeatedly fucks me on a deal, it's right. just them. It's just the businessman. It's not the people. It's not nobody else. Right. But if a Jewish person does good, all of their people eat with them. That's one of the flips. It, it, it literally comes out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. You're just like, what the hell is he talking about? And why is he talking about it? Well, it's because he lives this life where there's... Who's going to tell Kanye West, dude, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? No, 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 no. Nobody's going to correct him. You know why? Because he'll say, look, I don't... You don't disagree with me. You don't probably won't say you don't disagree with me. You'll just be, if you're the inner circle and you're part of the entourage, you you mean not part of the entourage, just like if some you're part of some celebrity's entourage and uh, they're married and you're not super comfortable. You like their wife and you're not super comfortable with them sleeping around, but they're sleeping around all the time. And at one point they say, look, dude, look, I love you. I've known you since high school, whatever. But you, you, you're, you're, yeah, you're famous and you're rich and all that, but you're married. You probably shouldn't be sleeping around. Oh, no, you're probably right. You're probably that's not going to well, it'll, in the rare case, it will reform somebody. But in most cases, it'll go like this. Like, oh, yeah, no, I probably shouldn't be screwing it. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. And then next time it comes time to take the vacation on the super yacht over in the Caribbean or whatever, you uh, you suddenly don't get the call. Like, oh, man, I had to bring this other person because you know how it is. Look, next time. We'll catch you next. And suddenly you find yourself slowly, passive-aggressively being nudged out of the inner circle. 
So you don't say that. You don't go, I don't, no matter how uncomfortable you are with the screwing around on the wife, you don't say anything about it because they'll nudge you out. That's Kanye doesn't seem to have anybody who, well, everybody in his inner circle seems to have learned that lesson. They just sit back and let him say whatever the hell he wants to say. So the, the love of Kanye has a problem with you. Nobody's around sitting there saying, hey, Kanye, don't, uh, don't, don't talk about it. All right, you, if you got these thoughts, just keep them to yourself. No, no. Instead, he's out there now with nobody to tell him no. Well, I'll, just, I'll play a little bit more of Kanye just just to illustrate the point that because conservatives get all excited. Like, oh, he said something nice. He said something weird. He likes Trump. He likes it. Like, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. doesn't mean he's a conservative. doesn't mean he's on your team. Even if he votes your way, it doesn't just remember these people live in a different world. And this one, uh, Kanye, I guess I'm going to skip the second clip. I'm going to go right to the third clip here. Because it can be overkill. That could have played like 15 clips. Because there's a, over this podcast over the weekend, he talked a lot about Jews randomly. Randomly. Just weirdly randomly. And it's like somebody's got to pull him aside and say, dude, all right, um, this, isn't, this isn't normal. All right. I know you like to think you're not a, an anti Semite, but you would fit into the squad. Anyway, he's talking about media. And at uh, first point, he talks. Now, this is a, the first thing he says is something other people have observed that is just simply wrong. It's just simply wrong. If you look at presidents from when they come into office to when they go out of office, most of the time, not exclusively, particularly the older the presidents are, the less they change. Um, Donald Trump didn't change all that much appearance wise. God knows. Joe Biden can't really look all that much worse for wear. But younger presidents, over the course of their presidency, they age. Not just because the job is trying. I know a lot of people just go, look at the uh, look at what Barack Obama looked like when he came in, and look at what Barack Obama looked like when he came in. He had gray hair now. He's gray hair. Like He's also in his 50s. People tend to get gray hair in their 50s. It's not like... The, the the stress of the job certainly probably didn't help a lot of things, put some lines on his face. But if you're going to get gray hair, you're going to get gray hair. And you're going to get gray hair around the time you're in your 40s or your 50s. So the fact that he's like, he went from having black hair to gray hair is, I don't know, normal? There are some people uh, who don't get, like everybody, I think, gets gray hair. There's, for my, in my case, I started getting it when I was like 19 years old. My mother went gray when she was very young, and my father started losing his hair when he was very young. And I'm so glad that I took over after my, my mother in the hair game. But, uh, you know, thank God for hair dye. But if I were president of the United States, I probably wouldn't dye my hair. But Barack Obama's candidate for president of the United States, first time he probably was dyeing his hair. He was running against Hillary. She was significantly older than him. He wanted to be the youthful candidate. And he's, if he's sitting there with salt and pepper hair, you're going, uh, maybe he's not as young as you think. Part of his appeal was, he's so young, he's just like us. And he really wasn't. He was in his 40s. But it was a marketing gimmick. But at a certain point, you got to go, I'm going to stop dyeing the hair. It's a little bit weird when you see somebody in their 70s or even 60s that has like jet black hair, right? 
It's like jet black, not a single gray up there. You go, that comes in a box. That is not natural at all. And you see these people and you're like, wow, it's it's disconcerting, right? You're not fooling anybody. You're overweight. You got wrinkles. You got, but you've got jet black hair. You either don't want to pay to update the rug or you are putting the, the dye in your hair. It's your life. You do it whatever you want, but it... Uh, you're not fooling anybody. My mother always used to say, you should let your hair go gray. I'm like, I'm too young to let my hair go gray. You, let your, you look so dignified. Like, I'm not ready to look dignified. I don't, I'm not ready to act dignified. I'm not dignified in any way, shape, or form. So, no, I'm not ready to do it. Still not ready to do it. Someday I will be, but eh, right now I'll keep it. But anyway, Kanye, I don't know how I, oh, because he's talking about Barack Obama at the beginning of this clip and how he looked entering office and how he looked leaving office. And that's that's why it's not that... Uh, keep that in mind as you hear that, because people always said, oh, man, the office aged Barack Obama. No, time aged Barack Obama. The office probably didn't help, but time aged Barack Obama. Then he goes off about Trump. And then suddenly, Jewish media. Again, you're just sitting there going, what the hell, dude? What? What? Where, where does this come? Did you go to like the the uh, Hitler School of Broadcasting? And I'm only saying that, only playing this for you, so you know the next time a celebrity, because there will be another celebrity, some musician, whatever. Maybe they're genuinely sincere, and they go, "Oh, this tenant of conservatism is right." And you go, "Yeah." You don't put them on your shoulders. You just go, "Hey, they're right on this issue. Welcome to the party on that issue." I'll. Uh, I'll be waiting to see what else you say. I'm not going to get behind. I'm not going to get you tattooed on my body. I'm not going to start printing up the bumper stickers, this guy for president or anything like that, because I want to find out whether or not you're insane. And Kanye is insane. But look, look at like Barack, you know, look at his hair color when he went in. Look at the hair color when he went out. Yeah, yeah. everyone yeah. said, yeah. You know, like, because if you don't have the connections, you know, Trump had enough connections to make it into office, but he didn't have the Jewish media on his side because the Jewish media was already aligned with an agenda with the left, with the Chinese. So you got like Alex, Alex Baldwin dissing, you know, Trump as soon as he went in, used to be his boy. You got black people dissing Trump. Black people know they love Trump. Yeah. We used to like, we used to have raps. Guess who the black Trump, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> The weird thing, and this tells you how out of touch the guy is. He could make that very same point without Jewish. Without Jewish. You know, he had the media on his, he didn't have the media on his side. Okay, no, he certainly didn't have the media on his side. Earlier on in his career, when he was a liberal TV star, he had the media on his side, and they loved him. They overlooked certain things about him and shortcomings, but then they just started making stuff up about him. <laughs> Instead, he goes, the Jewish media. The Jewish media. Well, that's a stereotype. The only thing he didn't say that was, a, you know, the only anti-Semitic stereotype Kanye West didn't get to in this podcast interview was Jews control Hollywood and Jews control banking. That's it. He, well, he sort of got around in a roundabout way to the Jews control banking thing. But it's like, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to sit here all day and play Kanye West clips, but just Listen to this guy. So be warned. There will be another celebrity who will say something that you go, yes, 
absolutely, this person's wildly famous, and they're on our team. I shall uh, burn all of my Kanye West stuff, and I'll go and buy all of this person's. Don't do it. Don't do it. Make them prove it over time. They're not special. They're not unique. And they actually don't really have all that much influence anyway. I know conservatives get all excited. Like, oh, this will help us reach the kids. Well, you know what will help you reach the kids? First of all, not referring to young people as the kids. All right, that'll, that'll help you. and That'll go a long way. Not talking to any age group of people in a wildly condescending way. That will help you immeasurably in uh, garnering their support. But also talking to them, you know? Talking to them. Going out there and talking to Don't avoid them. Don't go, oh, that's a Democrat voting block. Have conversations with them. Give speeches. Whatever. There's going to be a lot of them that are going to sit there and scream at you. There's going to be a lot of them that are going to never vote for you, at least not while they're young, not before they start paying taxes and start trying to, I don't know, own a piece of property and try to build something on it. And they go, what the hell? How many hoops do I have to, I have to do? What? Why can't I just build this shed? I need eight permits and an inspector to come out and an environmental impact study. What the hell? Then you got a chance of getting them. Then all that stuff you told them earlier about government overreach. Well, go, wait a second. There was somebody who was talking about this. Then you can get them. But you don't go, hey, kids, here's how, here's how to pat them on the head and give them a lollipop. Don't be condescending. And it will be, it will do a hell of a lot of good for you. This is what Kanye West, Kanye, Kanye West, Kanye West is what you get when you have no one in your life to tell you no. And that's where you end up with this story from CNBC. God help him. God help him. This is where, this is how, because you sit there and you go, how could someone, he was like a multi-billionaire, had a hundred million dollars and now he's broke. How is he broke? Well, the story here, Kanye West, the superstar rapper who has made several inflammatory and anti-Semitic comments in recent weeks, say, the left will never let you, they'll never, if you, if you say anything remotely conservative, conservatives will embrace you and then you'll damage conservatives and the left will forever try to destroy you because you were not on their team for a second. He's on their team on everything else, but no, he must be destroyed. Uh, Kanye has agreed in principle to buy conservative social media platform Parler. The app's parent company said in a statement Monday, quote, in a world where conservative opinions are considered to be controversial, we have to make sure we have the right to freely express ourselves, said West, who now goes by Ye or Yay. I don't even know what it is because uh, it's Kanye, but I think it goes by Ye because calls himself Yeezy. Just need, make up your damn mind, all right? I'm just going to call you Kanye because that's your name. In a statement released by Parler, financial terms of the deal weren't announced. The company previously said it has raised $56 million in funding from outside investors. The move comes after Ye was locked out of his Twitter and Instagram accounts for making anti-Semitic remarks. In one post, he played into long-standing anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that fellow rapper Sean Diddy Combs is being controlled by Jewish people. On Twitter, meanwhile, as uh, Kanye's account was restricted after he said that he would go DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. Good Lord. His net worth is apparently like $2 billion. And uh, he's going to, if he even, if somebody lets him drop I don't know, 10%, 5%, 1% on parlor. 
it would be insane. There's nobody on Parler. No, I signed up for a Parler account when people were trying, and I like I think I used it once, and that maybe if that I can't remember, and I've never gone back to it. I never have done anything with it because. It's not where the action, just like all these people are like, ah, you know, no offense to President Trump. I'm on Truth Social. I'm on Truth Social. Truth so-. The people you hear on TV and radio are like, oh, check out my Truth Social. They're being paid by Truth Social to, to promote it. And how can I tell? Because they haven't deleted their Twitter accounts. Oh, they like to pretend they're super cool. Go, oh, Twitter sucks. Twitter does this. Twitter does that. We need to get away from Twitter then why don't you delete your Twitter account? Because you know that's where the action is, all right? You know that's where the action is. It would be lovely if something overtook it, and maybe in a long enough timeline something will overtake it, but I think it's more likely that Twitter will collapse, something new will come along, something new that isn't already in existence. So what drives me nuts about conservatives. When I was working at Americans for Tax Reform, they had the famous Wednesday meeting every Wednesday, and it's a useful thing. You find out what everybody's up to, what they're doing, what their issues are, and you, you learn things you didn't know. But then every once in a while, there would be somebody there. I remember plain as day, somebody, we're starting the uh, liberal Wikipedia, or the, uh, li- the conservative answer to Wikipedia. We're starting the conservative answer to YouTube. We're starting the conservative this to that. And then, how about you just put out good content, okay? It's no... It's no, all you do is end up preaching to the choir. Now, you probably make some money. And honestly, the people who are trying to do these things, that's their number one goal. Nobody's, as much as they talk a good game, oh my God, I care so deeply about these concepts. You ain't doing it for free, right? You don't ever shut up about money. So you're not doing it for free. But there are some people out there go, he's, they're not doing this for money. Really? Because they're making a ton of it. They won't shut up about it. Some guy who started this mutual fund, like, oh, yes, we will go against work corporations. So you're not taking your 3% commission? Well, I'm still taking my 3% commission. But okay, so you're not doing this out of principle. You're doing it out of a marketing gimmick. That's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing illegal about that. But don't ever fool yourself into thinking that these people are true believers. If there weren't money in it, they wouldn't do it. The left doesn't operate that way. They'll put out documentaries and issues that they care deeply about, knowing full well they'll never see a dime back from it. But they'll go on Netflix, the documentaries will, and people will watch it, and the environmentalist, anti-meat, whatever message will get out there. People aren't getting rich. It's the rich people on the left who are funding their propaganda. And on the right, it's a whole bunch of people going, I need to get richer, I'm not interested. But don't worry, I'll sell it as though I care deeply about the concept. Grifters. They just happen to be on our team. Doesn't mean they're not grifters. So we go from one type of crazy to a different type of crazy. Remember, Joe Biden is he's crazy, but he's crazy from dementia. And he's also stupid. So you do have to sit there and wonder, was it because Joe Biden is stupid? suffering from dementia or is it because he's stupid because he's been suffering from dementia the past few years but he's been stupid his whole life and it's tough to attribute anything he does to either column completely i think it's a dash of both it's just a matter of it's a matter of which one is more and which one is less when uh, you deal with how horrifying the prospect of either is i want to play this one clip you're sitting there and you're listening to joe biden he gave a speech on uh, friday 
about the economy. And it's, it's, a, it's one of those what the F moments. I don't know. I honestly, I've listened to this thing. I, I listened to it a lot. I mean, I, I recorded it. I edited it, cleaned it up, cut off the beginning and uh, stopped it at a certain point. This, what you're going to hear is unedited. This is this piece. I didn't mess with it at all. I didn't take words from you know five different speeches and cobbled them together. An interesting thing about the Beatles is, um, and this will make sense, so bear with me. At the end of a day in the life, and actually in the middle of the day in the life, where the orchestra is getting really, you know, bong, or the woke up, fell out of bed part starts, it's in the song twice. The way they achieved that sound, they had an orchestra there, and they had them play the scales with no particular time. It just in a, just do it in in twenty seconds at your own rate, at your own pace, but play it inside of. 20 seconds or whatever it was, each individually but all together. And so they recorded this orchestra kind of fumbling their way through. It was like, now go. Now you're done. And so everybody's in their own little time. Nothing syncs up perfectly. But more than that, they took that recording and George Martin, this is the genius of George Martin, took the tape, because they actually used tape back then, and cut it up into various lengths. And then he threw it in the air all over the... the, uh, engineering booth and told his uh, assistant or whatever okay now put it back together in whatever order you want in any order so that's how they got that sort of swirling build up whoop, bonk sound uh, and they didn't get the bonk sound that was the piano and i did not do that with joe biden's speech here this is all what he said as he said it see i told you i'd bring it back i as a professional or as close as uh, anybody can get these days Knew where I was going with that. I could have. You could You could create this if you did do what George Martin did to the Beatles. You just take some Biden speeches, take random clips, cut them up, throw them in the air, and then put them back in order in whatever order, put them back together in whatever order they are. That would be about the equivalent of what Joe Biden actually sounds like when he's not on teleprompter. So if you can figure out what the hell he's trying to say here, you are better than I am. But I don't think you can, because while the words are English, they don't go together. I married up. I was one of those guys uh, my whole life. I've been surrounded by women who've taken care of me. Maybe they're smarter than I am. My younger sister used to be three years younger than me. Now she's 23 years younger. There's not a single solitary Biden man that is younger than any Biden woman. And, uh, and, and my wife, by the way, we're at a community college. My wife is teaching today. My wife is a full-time college professor at a community college. What? My sister was three years younger than me. Now she's 23 years younger than me. And every Biden man is older than every Biden woman now. And oh, by the way, my idiot wife teaches at a community college. Yeah, because... Even in a world of flat-out pandering where Democrats fail up and people and institutions are willing and desperate to throw money at Democrats. and I mean, even the idiot son Hunter gets you know, foreign governments and major international corporations to throw money at them. But any university looks at Jill Biden and goes, well, we read your dissertation and uh, nobody would come here if we put you on faculty. Nobody. We would be the laughing stock of of the entire conference, of the entire four year degree school. 
industry if we put you on the payroll. We can't do it because you remember Jill is just as dumb as Joe. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell he's talking about there. I don't know. I do not know. Next, well, we'll go to this young girl. Joe Biden has this weird habit of being focused like a laser on young girls. It's wildly uncomfortable for young girls. And you imagine this, you know, 80-year-old dude getting handsy. He puts his hands on this. She's probably 13 or 14 years old. He takes a whiff of her hair, which again is creepy as hell. And it gives you an ins- it gives you an insight into how insulated Joe Biden's world is. That there's no way somebody hasn't told him you need to stop putting your hands on young girls and you need to stop smelling them. You need to. And in fact, Joe Biden one point apologized. Remember that a couple years ago, back in 2019, I think it was. When Joe Biden was announcing that he was coming out and Democrats were attacking him, he, he really creepy with women. And there was all these women, a dozen women or so, that came out and said, Joe Biden uh, touched me. He touched my boob. He kissed me against my will. He smelled my hair. He pulled me tight. He did all these weird things. And he did it right in front of everybody. That tells you when uh, Tara Reid says that he uh, violated her the way he did, it gives her a lot of credence because of what he did in public. And Joe apologized. Said, "Well, I know that I gotta. I'm just super affectionate. Like it has nothing to do with affection, dude. Grabbing some boob has nothing to do with affection. Smelling the hair of a 13 year old has nothing to do. If, if that's affection, we seriously need to. I don't know. Maybe launch a criminal investigation into you. But uh, he does this to this 13 year old girl. He apologized. Said he's not going to do it anymore. Not going to do it anymore. And then he's done it a whole bunch since then. And not a single person in the media." has called him out. If Donald Trump shook a woman's hand for too long, that woman would then be on MSNBC going, he wouldn't let go of my hand. It was the worst thing ever. But you, you smell a 13-year-old like it's like she's a, a biscuit fresh, fresh out of the oven, and nobody says anything. But then he goes on to be even creepier to her he doesn't know this girl this girl was at an event where the president if you take you got a chance to see a president speak you probably should take that chance to see a president speak it's not very often that anybody in this country gets a chance to see a president speak in person doesn't matter which party they're in i saw george hw bush speak i've seen uh, bill clinton speak i've seen george w bush speak and Met him once. He wasn't president yet. He was just Texas governor. I have seen Barack Obama. I didn't see him give a speech, but I've met him when he was a senator. Smoked with him. And I've met Donald Trump and seen him speak. Not when he was president, but right after he announced he was running. It's not very often you get a chance to see a president speak or a potential president speak. Especially if you've got kids, you should avail yourself of that. But... Uh, You don't let them get sniffed by them. You don't let them put his hands on their shoulders and pull them in tight and then issue creepy advice of a sexual nature to your 13-year-old. That's what Joe Biden did to this young girl. Very important thing I told my daughter and granddaughters: no serious guys in your thirty. Okay. No what? No serious guys in your thirty. I'll keep that in mind. 
No serious guys till you're 30. The girl hasn't even started puberty yet or certainly hasn't finished it yet. And here's the president of the United States on the cusp of turning 80, grabbing her by her shoulders from behind, pulling her in. You can, I re- recommend you find the video. Takes a whiff of her hair and says, yeah, no serious guys until you're 30. Sleep around until you're 30. Play the field until you're 30. And then you can think about, you know, getting serious. Really? Dude, that's, that's so creepy. It's sick. It's gross. And you can hear the nervous laughter from these kids. Like, what? <laughs> what? Don't touch me, old man. That's the president of the United States. I recommend if you get a chance to take your kid to see the president of the United States speak, take it, but then, you know, treat it as though there's a restraining order on you and your child against the president, and you can't, or from the president against you, and you're not allowed to be within 500 feet of him. Don't, don't let him near your young girls. He never does this to young boys, weirdly, but he does it to young girls a lot. Just so gross. All right, since we're uh, on the topic of the President of the United States and the economy is what the economy is, you sit there and you think, well, it's an election year. These people in the White House, these people in control, would be doing everything humanly possible to try and prop up the economy. Even falsely, even temporarily, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, well, the, you know, it's when uh, old man family's coming over, or friends are coming over, and the house is a mess. And you just didn't give yourself enough time to clean it. So you don't clean it. You don't move things to dust. You dust around things. And you count on nobody's going to move this picture. So nobody's going to notice that behind this picture there's an inch and a half of dust and a cobweb sitting there. You know what? I'm going to shove every... I'm going to pick up all these clothes and just throw them in my closet and close the closet door because they're not going to go in the closet. They might walk by the bedroom, but they won't go into the closet. They won't open the closet door. And so don't be that person if you ever come over to my house to like go looking under... Let's look under the bed and see what's going on under there because it's probably not good. It's probably not good. A cat hiding under there with along with God knows what else. So, you know, you can do the the thing where you just, I don't know, you could actually clean. One of the things my parents tried to instill in me to one degree or another was if you clean a little bit every day, you don't have to spend all day Saturday cleaning or all day when somebody's coming over cleaning. If you clean a little bit every day, it makes it much easier. And that's why... I generally try to make sure that at least the kitchen is clean. That's my main domain. My office is relatively clean, but then my kitchen is clean. The dishes are done. You don't have to be scrambling for things. I try to do that every single day. Most of the time, I'm successful at that. But when somebody's coming over, like, oh, crap, i got to clean up all these kids' toys. Why? Because I didn't spend five minutes every day cleaning up the kids' toys. So it'll take an hour scooping up the toys and getting every piece of Lego out of the carpet and everything and you'll still find a piece of lego to burrow into your foot as you're walking past it and you'll curse their existence and then you have a newfound appreciation for what your parents went through when you were leaving your legos everywhere but you uh you can you can either do the superficial job of propping it up 
or you can do the actual work. The actual work is preferable. The Democrats aren't even doing the superficial when it comes to the economy. There are th- their policies are the antithesis of what needs to be done long term to have a successful growing economy and to defeat inflation. They, they, they just want to spend. They leave it to future generations to figure out how to pay for it. They just want to go crazy and spend. They want to, and it's not even like this is good spending or they can justify, they lie about the spending, but it's spending, it's giving future money to their donor base, to their fans, to their friends. It's the ultimate payoff and it's being done with our credit card. So they could come in, really the only option left, because they're not going to stop that. That's part of their plan for existence. To fund 2024, they need to print up and distribute to their donor base as much money as humanly possible now so that it can come back, a piece of it can come back to them and fund 2024, because God knows who would do that voluntarily. So that leaves the fake propping up. That leaves the shoving things under the couch cushions option. And Democrats aren't even doing that. They aren't even doing that because the economy is in such bad shape. The fundamentals are are bad. They're bad. (laughs) I don't mean to sound like that. They're, They're bad. They're bad. But they are bad. Inflation can't be swept under the rug. Inflation is real. You notice it when you go to the grocery store. You notice it when you go to the gas station. You notice it every time you get an electricity bill. So all they're doing is lazily lying to you. Now, they could theoretically say, we're going to impose price controls. Now, those would be a disaster. Price controls have never worked. They've actually had the the opposite impact. They cause shortages. But that's beside the point. Temporarily, just limping across the finish line to November 8th, they could try that. They could do, here's another big fat check to help you pay for things, not uh, acknowledging and hoping for the fact that the impact on inflation wouldn't come in until after people voted. So you say, well, here's a thousand bucks. And everybody go, woohoo, a thousand bucks. That thousand bucks will be, I don't know, made irrelevant, inflated out of existence, really, probably by December or January. Democrats go, well, who cares? That's after the election. That'll help us hold the Senate. That'll help us hold the House, whatever it is. They aren't even doing that. They're just out there being indifferent. They seem clueless. And thank God they are, because like I said, most of the things that they would do would would be wildly destructive. You've got the president of the United States here before we get to his economic advisor. He's in Delaware again. There was a story, I think it was in the Hill newspaper, maybe the Atlantic, about how Joe Biden has spent 40% of his presidency in Delaware. Johnny on the spot. He's an unserious man doing an un, a very serious job. He's not interested in it. If he believed, like after the uh, fundraiser in New York City where he said, we're closer to Armageddon than we've ever been, he left that and went to Delaware for the weekend. And you sit there and you go, dude, uh, if you think we're close to Armageddon, shouldn't you be close to the White House? Shouldn't you be involved in the, like you can be president anywhere, but there are, in times of crises, certain things that it is much better to be in the White House for. 
you have you know direct access phone lines, things like that. You don't have to worry about secure locations. You have all the intelligence officers, the lower level ones. You can summon them to Delaware. But even if you send a military escort or a police escort or fly them the helicopter, they're going to be two hours away. You need to be where the action is sometimes. And he's not. So that tells you that he's not really, um, he's lying about the Armageddon thing, probably. Anyway, he was at an ice cream shop because there's nothing going on in the world that he needs to worry about. He's also at an ice cream shop three weeks before an election because no Democrat wants to campaign with him. Something worth noting. Now, this is difficult to hear because there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at an ice cream shop, chairs shuffling, things clanging around. But there's the president of the United States sitting there with a big waffle cone full of vanilla ice cream talking about the economy and no concern about the economy or inflation. It is perfect example. You remember, if only the audio were better, somebody could probably clean it up. You remember George W. Bush talking about, we're going to get Osama bin Laden, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Now watch this drive. And he goes and he's on the golf course and he Hits the ball. Michael Moore used that constantly in promotion of uh, Fahrenheit 9/11, and the left used it as look at Joe, look at George W. Bush. He's out of touch. Well, here's the president of the United States at a time of 8.4 percent, 8.3 percent inflation, gas prices two dollars higher than when he took office. This is worse than that. Every single American is impacted by Biden's inflation, by Biden's crappy economy, and all signs indicate that it's getting worse. And here he is shoving ice cream down his throat, saying he's not worried about it. There's nothing to worry about, nothing to worry about. I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes, our economy is strong as hell. The internal inflation is worldwide, worse off everywhere else in the United States. So the problem is the lack of economic growth, sound policy in other countries, not so much ours. And that's how it's worldwide inflation. I'm not worried about it. Our economy is strong as hell. Well, do you do you feel as though the economy is strong as hell? There are certain people, the fabulously wealthy, for whom the economy is booming. Man, the rich are getting richer. It's weird because Democrats, I'm old enough to remember when Democrats decried that, when Democrats said that was a bad thing. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird now they're like, oh, you know, this economy's strong as hell. Joe Biden is probably getting richer than he's ever been. His kids are, you know, Hunter's claiming poverty and he can't pay his uh, child support, but he can pay his exorbitant rent on a mansion. Don't worry about that. He's got that covered. It's just weird how this works out and how out of touch he is. The economy's strong as hell. I'm worried about inflation. I'm worried about the rest of the world. Well, you're not president of the rest of the world, Joe. You're president of the United States of America. Your regime being in control of the United States of America is you're supposed to care about the United States of America. You're supposed to care about Americans. And when you're looking at the fact that people are actually 
earning less in real dollars now that your policies have been in place and inflation is making everything more expensive that unless you got a 9% raise last year, you have effectively gotten a pay cut and you're sitting there shoving ice cream in your mouth going, I'm not worried about it. Why why would I be worried about it? They got vanilla ice cream. Why would I be worried about it? I'm filthy rich. (laughs) Good Lord, I'm filthy rich. I'm not, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm, I'm not sure which mansion of mine I'm going back to after I finish this ice cream cone. That's how well things are going for me. And, of course, if things are going well for me, the rest of everything else, who cares? It's a sickness, this guy. The rest of the world, by the way, is not doing worse than us with inflation. On the top 20 nations, I think we are number seven as far as the highest inflation in the world. Not a single reporter in that room called Joe Biden out on that because not a single reporter in that room is an actual journalist. They're just reporters. They're stenographers for the Democratic Party. So we've got, uh, then we go to Cecilia Rouse. She was on CNN over the weekend. She is the White House economic advisor. She is the one filling Joe Biden's head with, I don't know, air, sounds, that don't worry, the economy's great. Things are going great. Couldn't even be better. Don't worry about the United States, Mr. President. Worry about the rest of the world. That's not even your job, but you're so free. We're so on the ball here that you go ahead and worry about the rest of the world. She was on CNN talking about, remember, Democrats passed something called the Inflation Reduction Act. Well, first of all, I want to play you this thing from Cecilia Rouse. This term drives me nuts. Democrats have been saying this term a lot lately. It's excess savings. There's no such thing as excess savings. Whatever you saved, you saved. It's not excess savings. Like, well, the government has decided that you'd have $5,000 in savings at this point, and you have $6,000 in savings. Therefore, you have $1,000 in excess savings. Spend that excess savings. No, whatever you save is you save. And that's good to have savings in case something goes horribly wrong. What's amazing to me here is that she uses this term excess savings and people are now using spending their excess savings. That's a bad thing. That means people can't make it on what they're earning in their paychecks. They used to have their paychecks and have enough left over that they could put some into savings. Now they have nothing left over and they have to dip into their savings. That's a sign of a struggling economy. That's a sign of people struggling. And not a single Democrat gives a damn about this. We can also see that the housing market is beginning to cool. And we know that housing prices is part of the challenge for families, is part of our inflation challenge. We know that uh, excess savings are starting to be spent. Uh, So we are starting to see signs that our red hot economy is starting to cool. And so we know that because of that strength, we're in we're better positioned than most other countries for the Fed to achieve its dual goals. Because of that, we're seeing our red hot economy is starting to cool. We're in a recession, but it's starting to cool now. And uh, we can see that, you know, those signs are are there. But uh, don't worry, we see these signs that are good. People spending their excess savings is good. They're not spending their, quote-unquote, excess savings putting a new roof on their house. They're not spending their excess savings um, buying gold or whatever. They're spending their excess savings filling their cars up, feeding their families. 
preparing or paying their heating bills that are only going to get bigger come winter. It's not excess savings. Can't believe that somebody in any administration would say excess savings. But hell, when you're dealing with these economic illiterates, what do you expect? I mean, this is the person advising the president. She went on, Cecilia Rouse, she was asked by Dana Bash on CNN about, hey, that uh, Inflation Reduction Act you guys passed, when's that going to kick in? Shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, shouldn't the Inflation Reduction Act being the law of the land, I don't know, reduce inflation? Turns out, no, no, not at all. Yeah, I just, I'm just curious, and a lot of Americans are curious, when the so-called Inflation Reduction Act will really start to bring down inflation. So the, the many parts of the bill will start to take effect next year. For example, there are tax credits for energy to help people weatherize their homes uh, and also bring down other forms of energy costs. So we are focused on helping to make that transition to clean energy in a way that brings down energy costs. Huh? What inflation reduction act? When is that going to? Well, uh, next year there's going to be tax credits for people uh, weatherizing their houses. Oh, great! So next year, so all you got to do is suffer through ever-growing inflation for another year, and then at some point next year, you can, if you have any of those so-called excess savings left over, or even any savings whatsoever, you can then spend that money putting energy-efficient windows in your house or more insulation or whatever it is that the government deems solar panels on your roof, if you have it. I mean, if, you'll get a, a, I don't know, a tax credit. You spend $25,000 that you don't have putting solar panels on your roof, and you'll be able to write off a percentage of that on your taxes, which will, in theory, eventually possibly lower your electric costs at some point, maybe. Well, there you go. Problem solved. My God, why are people complaining as you fill up your tank? In a year or so, you might be able to get a tax credit so long as you spend a ton of money to get that tax credit. So it's like, yeah, you spend $25,000 and you'll get 10% back. You can take 10% right off your tax. Ooh, so if I spend $25,000, you're telling me that I could get $2,500 off my tax. Well, sign me up. Sounds like a hell of a deal, doesn't it? These are the people in charge of the economy. These are the people advising the President of the United States. There's no doubt that he's stupid, but maybe all that stupid that comes out of his mouth isn't his brain's fault. I want to play one more clip about the economy and the... um, Inflation Reduction Act. This one's not from an advisor from the president, but it shows you how out of touch the Democrats truly are with reality, the economy, what have you. This is Colorado Senator Democrat Michael Bennett. They don't have a message on the economy. They don't have a, this is getting better or this will get better thing. They they don't have it. They passed the Inflation Reduction Act, and you would think that they would be touting that. But they can't, because in order to placate their rabid, radical base, what did they have to do? 
they had to fill the so-called Inflation Reduction Act with nothing that would do anything about inflation. Actually, it would exacerbate it, it would make it worse. But they had to fill in and cram in the Green New Deal. Throw in the Green New That's what that was. It was the Green New Deal with a new name, a new title slapped on it. So they can't claim that it even does anything really about inflation. They talk about subsidies you're going to get. Oh, don't worry, though. You drop 50 grand putting a windmill in your backyard, and we're going to give you a $300 tax credit. So, you know, there you go. You're welcome, America. Like, oh, that's great. Democrat mega donors, their companies get their products subsidized, and I get the joy of spending even more money. How do you how do you work that out? Well, none of them. It's not just coming from the White House. None of them have a successful message on how to deal with inflation. You would think they'd even. Here's a free bit of political advice to Democrats out there: just lie. Who's gonna call you out on it? Somebody on CNN, do you really think they're going to go, wait a second, Senator, that's not true at all? No, they won't. They either are on your team or they don't know any better. Whatever the case is, they're not going to make you look like an idiot. Okay, they're not going to make you look like a bigger idiot than you already are to their audience. And if it's CNN or MSNBC, the audience is begging you to lie to them. Please just beg you to lie. Say something that I can post on Facebook that I can just say, here you go, my conservative friends, to hell with you. That's what these people really want. These are the social media wars. That's it. Give us something. It doesn't have to be true. Give us something. Because the, the lie will be in a big meme that I'll post on my Facebook page, and the truth will be buried in a whole bunch of comments underneath it some conservatives saying that's not actually true here's a link to the actual story that tells you that it's not true and most people will just see the the meme and they'll go oh all right things are getting better but democrats can't even do that or they're not willing to do that i don't get it they lie about just about everything like the fact that the inflation reduction act had anything to do with inflation had nothing to do with inflation and they're out there going oh no no, it's the inflation reduction act it's the biggest investment in green technology ever. How is that going to impact inflation? It's the biggest investment in green technology ever. Uh, okay. So Michael Bennett was on CNN. Dan Abash, again, like when I tell you, nobody's going to call these people out. Nobody's going to say, hey, wait a second. Nobody's going to call BS on them. Dan Abash was the one who was talking to Cecilia Rouse, the economic advisor to the president. Didn't really call her out on it. She also interviewed Michael Bennett, senator from Colorado. He's got his, uh, well, the Inflation Reduction Act won't kick in for a while. I'm not paraphrasing. That's what he said. It has been two months since Democrats passed the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which you called a victory for the American people. Cornflation is still at its highest level in four decades. And poll shows, as you know, that polls show, I should say, that the economy is a top issue for Colorado voters. So why isn't the Inflation Reduction Act reducing inflation? Well, because the elements of the Inflation Reduction Act aren't going to kick in for a while, Dana. <laughs> 
Don't you love that? Look, it's an emergency. We have to pass this piece of legislation. People are being hurt by inflation. We must, therefore, pass the Inflation Reduction Act to help the American people who are suffering. All right, when will it start helping? Eventually, I mean, sooner or later. Like, it's going to be a little while. Don't put any provisions that reduce inflation that will kick in in any timely fashion. What? Well... It was an emergency, but what? It wasn't an emergency emergency, you know? I mean, come on. I mean, people people can deal with it. People can suck it up. They're, they've got all this excess savings out there. Now they can they can live off of that for a little while, and then eventually we'll start reducing inflation. I mean, all these people whining and crying and complaining about inflation. Just shut up already. Wow. Like I said, they don't even bother lying anymore. It's like, well, there's a bunch of things that won't kick in till next year. He's talking about the same sorts of things, by the way, that the uh, economic advisor was talking about. These tax credits. Well, tax credits are things you get to write off of your taxes if you spend money in a way the government approves of, in the way Democrats approve of. That's what tax credits are. If you spend money on green technologies, if you spend money buying solar panels, windmills, whatever, then we will refund you, it's an indirect subsidy, a small portion of that money. You've got to have that money to spend to begin with in order to get refunded, quote-unquote, or actually more than likely just write off a small portion of that money on your taxes. A check doesn't show up to you. Don't give Democrats any ideas. Not a single thing that they do will actually reduce inflation to the extent that they're trying to argue that these uh, solar panels on your roof will reduce your electricity bill in the future or your heating bill in the future. Because if you put more uh, new windows or more, uh, what you call it, more insulation in your attic, then you'll spend less to heat your home because the heat you will spend will be trapped in your home. Okay, theoretically, I suppose. But that's not a this winter thing. That's a next winter thing that doesn't do anything for anybody right now because Democrats don't really care. They, their objective with the Inflation Reduction Act was to pay their friends, and their friends got paid, period. End of story. Suckers. Every one of the people who voted for them. Anyway, uh, this news broke today. Found it interesting. Politico has the story. DOJ recommends six-month jail term for Bannon. Steve Bannon, Stephen K. Bannon, as he's usually referred to. The Department of Justice is recommending a six-month jail sentence and a sentence and a $200,000 fine for Steve Bannon, the longtime advisor to Donald Trump who defied a subpoena to the January 6th Select Committee. Prosecutors said Bannon, from the moment he received the Select Committee subpoena on September 2021, quote, has pursued a bad-faith strategy of defiance and contempt. Oh, no. You mean he held Congress in the same way that Congress holds him? Now, eventually, he testified. Now, it was really stupid, to be honest with you, for Bannon to claim executive privilege when he wasn't working for the President of the United States at the time. Executive privilege has never covered outside advisors to the President. Uh, Steve had left government by then. But Steve is also a person who really 
I, I used to know, I can't say I know Steve anymore. I knew Steve when he wanted to be famous. I don't know Steve that he, after he became famous. Um, and he was, he was what he was when he was trying to be famous. And once he made it, I can only imagine, and I've heard stories, but I didn't experience them, so I'm not going to relay them here. But believe you me, he revels in this. I don't think he wants to go to jail for six months. I think it's BS that the Department of Justice, it's only because he's Steve Bannon that they're trying to get him to go to jail for six months. I don't think he wants to go to jail for six months, but I think he revels in the attempt to put him in jail for six months. I think he really does. I think he'll get a lot of mileage out of the attempt to put him in jail for six months. And if he does go to jail for six months or three months or one month or one minute, he will milk that for all it's worth. He's very good at this. And it'll also be useful to the conservative movement to point out exactly what this Department of Justice is willing to do. They sit around and say, we are not politicizing the department. We would never politicize the Department of Justice. How dare anybody suggest it? It would be wrong. Donald Trump politicized the Department of Justice. When you hear a Democrat say that, if you have a Democrat in your life who says that, ask them how. Ask them how was it that Donald Trump politicized the Department of Justice. Ask him for one example. They won't have an example. There was no massive investigation, no arrest of um, Barack Obama staffers. The Attorney General under Barack Obama, Eric Holder, was held in contempt of Congress. He was held in contempt of Congress. He refused to turn over documents related to Fast and Furious even after a court had ordered him to do so. The entire Congress held him in contempt and the Justice Department under him and then under his successor decided not to prosecute him. Now, the Justice Department under Donald Trump could have. They didn't as well. Republicans are very stupid when it comes to exercising the political power that they have. They will take the beating and say, well, at least we're not administering beatings. Meanwhile, they're getting pummeled to death. I don't think Steve will go... Well, I can't say that. This is Washington, D.C. He probably will get some time. Six months seems excessive, maybe a week or a weekend or whatever. That a jury found Bannon guilty in July of two misdemeanor counts of contempt of Congress for refusing to testify uh, and provide documents to the select committee. Bannon is due to be sentenced by U.S. District Court Judge Carl Nichols on Friday. So we'll know in the weekend whether or not Steve is going to prison, going to jail for a little while. But I promise you, no Democrat would ever go to jail for these sorts of things. No Democrat would ever be convicted of such a crime because they likely wouldn't be prosecuted by even a Republican Department of Justice. What I would like to point out is that while they're trying, this administration is trying to get Steve Bannon in jail for six months, the president of the United States just pardoned everybody in jail in a federal weed conviction even if they pleaded guilty even if they pleaded guilty as part of a plea deal to drop more uh, serious charges joe biden let them all go and he let anybody who'd ever been convicted or pled guilty let them slide too now it's as though it never even happened
the people who sit there and came up with the idea of no cash bail, that we need to get everybody out of prison. We have an over-criminalization problem in this country. We have far too many people in jail are the ones who are trying to put a guy who refused to testify for a while and then eventually testified. They're trying to put him in jail. Let that sink in. Think about that. as it Because he did. He eventually testified. But it wasn't good enough for Democrats because nothing is ever good enough because the objective was not to get Steve Bannon's testimony. The objective was to damage Republicans in any way, shape, or form. You watch this story, and whatever sentence comes out of it, you watch how it happens, you watch how it's played, it will be the biggest news story. Like I said, this sham hearing that they had last week where they decided at the end in a very choreographed thing, we're going to subpoena Donald Trump. All right, uh, let's vote. All the Everybody votes aye. There's only nine people in the room. Everybody votes aye, and they said, we need to have a roll call vote. Yeah, because... Because why? Well, because they want to milk the dramatic. They want to make for good B-roll and good television. That's what they did. That's what it was about. And that's what they got. It was a sham. The biggest story of the day, according to the newspapers of record across the country and the three major networks nightly newscast, they led with the January 6th hearing. There isn't a single human being without a press credential or a Democratic Party membership card who gives a damn about January the 6th, 2021. And there they are leading the stories. The second story that day, the lesser important story that day, Oh, yeah, inflation, it's still around. In fact, it's gotten a little worse. It's almost as though the hearing itself was rescheduled for the exact same day that the inflation numbers were coming out because they knew when the inflation numbers were coming out. Uh, Is that too cynical? Nope. That's how these people work. Uh, As we get ready to wrap it up here, I saw this story and I thought, he... Huh? Because it's just insane. But that's how the left works. That's how these people are. John Leguizamo was... John Leguizamo is an actor, if you didn't know that. He is a Hispanic fellow. And he was in the original Mario Brothers movie. I guess would be the way to put it. The Super Mario brothers and they're making it they're doing a reboot and you're sitting there first of all going why the hell are they doing a reboot well because they're out of ideas but he's mad that they are using white people in the cast So the UK Daily Mail, Super Mario Brothers actor John Leguizamo has slammed the all-white cast of Super Mario Brothers film and lack of Latinx leads on Saturday. Latinx. Well, yes, he used the word Latinx, not Latino, Latinx. The actor, 62, who played Luigi in the 1993 live action, critiqued the uh, casting choices of the film that sees Chris Pratt take on the iconic role of the Italian plumber Mario. Following the release of the first trailer for the upcoming film, John voiced his concerns. It's concerns. He's very concerned. 
imagine, his concerns whilst praising the groundbreaking colorblind casting of the original. See, the original got him a job. This one isn't getting him a job. So he's sitting there going, oh, all right, well, I can see why your priorities, where your priorities are. Said, uh, he took it to Twitter and said, quote, so glad Super Mario Brothers is getting a reboot. Obviously, it's iconic enough. Okay. But too bad they went all white. No Latinx in the leads. Groundbreaking colorblind casting in original, exclamation point. Plus, the only one who knows how to make this movie work. Plus, I'm the only one who knows how to make this movie work script-wise. And you're sitting there going, what the hell? Well, you're the only one who can make this movie work. It was only good because it was colorblind. Ca- oh, it's so groundbreaking and colorblind casting. Because you got a job. You got a job as an Italian guy. And you're Hispanic. Who cares? Now, he did. He said, too bad they went, all right, no Latinx. Which is a term that you have to be like an uber leftist to use. Only the uber left uses that term. Because it's insane. So you're sitting there going, what in the hell is going on? Well, remember, they were going to make a movie about uh, a trans, I don't know if it's a trans woman or trans, I can't remember which way it was. Somebody was pretending they weren't going to, weren't what they really were. Whether or not it involved tucking or stuffing, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it was going to be made to tell the story of whatever, I think it was a piece of fiction, starring... Scarlett Johansson in the lead. It was all set to go. It had been greenlit. It was a big deal. They're going to make a mainstream Hollywood movie about this trans person. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe? And then what happened? The uh, trans community, the Alphabet Mafia. It's not the Alphabet Mafia anymore, really. They're controlled by, uh, they're controlled by the T now. It's weird watching because depending on the time of year or what's going on or the year it is or the political flavor of the moment, each various letter in the alphabet mafia, the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ goon squad, they get their moment in the sun where they're like, I'm the captain. I'm the most important letter in this whole alphabet soup. And all the other letters sit back and go, that's not fair. That's not right. But then they wait for their turn. Right now, the T is in charge. And the T ain't letting go of the, of the power at all. They're even they're getting, like, kids involved in this. They've weaponized children because they're like, oh, the, we're the T. We're the T. We shall forever rule. And even the feminists and the other members of the Alphabet Mafia are going, you don't really think that you should be you know, injecting things into kids to change their bodies forever. Even they're being attacked and smeared. You're anti-T, and therefore you're anti-ever. You're a homophobe, you're a transphobe, you're a, a triskaidekaphobe. My God, get out of here. They're being excommunicated from the Holy Church of Progressive God. It's kind of funny to watch. They went nuts when Scarlett Johansson was going to play a trans person in a movie. And Scarlett Johansson said, all right, fine. You don't want me to play it? I won't play it. And guess what happened? The entire movie was scrapped. Why? Because nobody's going to go, here's $10 million. Go cast some unknown trans person to play this movie. I'm sure I'll see that money back because they want to see that money back. Somebody probably said, I'll give you $100,000 to go make that movie. Go ahead, $100,000 to go make that movie. 
And they said, well, we can't make that movie for $100,000. Well, we're not going to make that movie then because the only way to make that movie is if you can make money off of it. You put Scarlett Johansson in it, there's going to be some people who will go to see that movie. You put somebody who's in it just because they're trans, they're not going to go. Nobody's, it's going to be an art house movie that's never going to recoup its money. They destroy themselves. If you cast any uh, white, they, they, Marvel has this comic book called Iron Fist. And Netflix was making Marvel series for a while. They actually did a pretty good job. Iron Fist could have been better, but it was, you know, fine. Um, the guy who was cast to play the Iron Fist was a white guy. He's a Kung Fu master. You know, oh, my God, a Kung Fu master. going to be a white guy. There were a bunch of people on social media going, this is an outrage, this is racist, this is this, that, and the other thing. And you go, you idiots. The comic book has a character, the Iron Fist, who's a white guy. Like, they're just being true to the... Are you unaware of anything what's going on? Him and Luke Cage go around solving crime and helping... Like, they're heroes for hire. What the hell's wrong with you? Well, it's because they're knee-jerk reactionaries. But when it goes the other way, like if, you know, they cast a Latinx guy in the lead role as Super Mario, nobody would go, oh my God, can you believe it? They've they've taken a role away from... uh, an Italian actor, and they've given it to an ethnic minority who is not of that, and they're not making Mario a, uh, a Hispanic guy. This is an outrage. They wouldn't do that. Nobody'd even think twice about. It. Nobody thought twice about John Leguizamo playing Luigi. Who cared? You got uh, what's Bob Hoskins? Not exactly an Italian. Side. Doesn't sound like he's eating a lot of spaghetti. Name as Mario. Nobody burned down theaters at the time. You're right. Hamilton the musical where everybody in it is historically a white person and what do you do? You go, well, we're going to make it hip-hop and we're going to cast black people. Like, okay, go ahead. Who cares? But if you made uh, George Washington Carver, we're going to do uh, the musical and we're going to do some non-traditional casting here. We're going to make George Washington Carver a white guy. Look out. Look out. All hell would break loose. So it's weird. Like when you have these politically correct BS things. They build a statue of the, uh, the the guys, the three guys raising the flag in the rubble of the World Trade Center. Remember that statue? Remember that famous picture to come out of that? They just all happened to be three white firemen. Didn't matter. It actually happened. There's a picture of it happening. Just three of the firemen around there at the moment that it was happening happened to be white. They built a statue of it. They built, I think they made a stamp out of it. They did all sorts of things. And they made one of the firefighters black. They have a problem with it, but it isn't historically accurate. But still, people got over it. Reverse it and all hell would break loose. That's how screwed up our society is. By the way, since we're talking about insane leftists and the fraud that is everybody really in this administration, the Secretary of Homeland Security... Alejandro Mayorkas. See, the, the le- he got the job because he's a, he's an immigrant himself. And that's it. That's it. That's all he got the job. He doesn't want a secure border because he's a progressive. It has nothing to do with his ethnicity or place of birth or anything like that. It's just that he's a progressive. Democrats want as many people in here as humanly possible. Posh reporting that uh, you know, he let the president lie. 
And he lied himself about the whipping. Oh, they're whipping migrants. What a horrible person. My God, can you believe what they're doing? He got an email that day saying, yeah, nobody was whipped. Everybody on the scene is saying this is being misconstrued. Nobody was whipped, whatever. Even the people who took the pictures, even the people who were inclined to be outraged, ready to be outraged, said, no, there was no whipping. What are you talking about? And Mayorkas went to the White House that day and still lied from the podium. This is a reminder of the horrible history of racism of this. Oh, all right. Well, except it's not true. You you could have, instead of pouring gasoline on the fire, you could have, I don't know, extinguished it a little bit. But nope, couldn't do that. Well, now, of course, they are uh, desperate because people have noticed what's going on at the border. And the left is desperate to cover their tracks, to cover their own rear ends. Fox News reporting Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas waved away criticism from lawmakers calling for his impeachment on Friday, saying that his critics' rhetoric about the border was uh, border being open was inspiring further illegal immigration. Yeah, not the fact that they see people going and getting there and getting phone calls from the United States. Made it! I'm in! You should come! No, none of that. Not any news reports down in South and Central America touting the open border. Because if you want to be a successful news outlet down in even a third world country, you got to give the people what they want. You make some money and you say, hey, the border is open. People are getting in. A group of Republican lawmakers led by Senator Ted Cruz of Texas demanded Mayorkas resign after Fox News reported he was alerted to an article stating that no Haitian migrants were whipped by Border Patrol agents on September 19, 2021. Quote, I've got a lot of work to do and I intend to continue to do it. That's my response, Mayorkas told the Dallas Morning News editorial board on Friday. Got a lot of work to do. What? I've got to make sure that nobody's arrested crossing the border. Mayorkas told the Dallas Morning News, quote, the political cry that the border is open is music to smugglers' ears because they take that political rhetoric and they market it. Oh, so now the truth is damned. See, it's not very often that this happens, but every once in a while a Democrat will say, you should stop telling the truth, <laughs> like we do. You should stop telling. You're saying the, politi- the border is open because it's, it's music to the smugglers' ears. Well, you know what's really music to the smugglers' ears? The border being open. Yeah, the actual literal border being open. That's what's going on. That's what's making the money. It's not Republicans' rhetoric that's getting the money. Because I promise you, Republicans could say anything they want all day long. Republicans say the border's open, the border's open, the border's open. And so people in small town, middle of nowhere, Nicaragua go, well, then I'm heading to America. And they say goodbye to their friends and family or whatever in there, and they pay their smugglers their 10,000 bucks. And oh, two weeks later, they're back in their village. And you go, what the hell happened, Earl? I thought you were going to America. I said, well, I walked the 2,000 miles up there. And then it turns out the border isn't open. They caught me and they sent me back home. Well, Earl's neighbor isn't going to go, well, I heard that the border was open too. So I'm going to go. I'm pretty sure Earl would go, wait a second, uh, Johnny, you probably don't want to do that. You're not going to make it. And he'll go, Earl, I've seen the new. I've heard the Republicans say it. It must be true. I'm going. 
here, Mr. Smuggler, here's my $10,000. And then when Joey or Johnny or whatever name I gave him, I can't remember, is back two weeks later, Earl's sitting there going, I told you so. And he's going, yeah, I should have listened to you. And then there's Chucky down the block going, yeah, but I just heard that the border's open. I'm going to go. No, that's not how it happens. You see people who went suddenly back knowing full well that these smuggling cartels don't go, gee, I'm real sorry you didn't make it into the United States. Here's a refund on the $10,000 you gave us, or even a partial refund. We took you all the way there, but the last, I don't know, 10% of the deal we didn't get you, so here's a 1000 bucks. That's just not how it happens. If anybody asked, they'd probably get killed. Can I get a refund? They'd probably get killed. So... The idea that there would just be this endless conga line of people marching across the border based on Republicans' rhetoric when those people ended up back in the border is asinine. It's stupid. But that's what Mayorkas would have you believe. It's not true. They are coming in mass because what? Because people aren't showing up back in their villages. People aren't being sent home. That sends the message that the rhetoric is true. The rhetoric doesn't matter if the rhetoric isn't true. When the rhetoric is true, then people go, well, all right, then I'm going to get in, my, I'm going to get my dancing shoes on and I'm going to go get in that conga line. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. Ah. <sighs> I don't understand these. I'd be embarrassed to make the arguments that most of these people make. I, honest to God, I would be embarrassed to make the arguments that these people make. Speaking of embarrassment, lastly today, I want to play you this quick clip of Raphael. Let's play Raphael Warnock at his debate the other day. Senator Warnock, on on Friday in the debate, you said that reports that a foundation affiliated with your church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, attempted to evict low-income tenants during the pandemic from a, ho- a housing complex are not true. But those are reports based on court filings against those tenants, and the state of Georgia is now also investigating that foundation for not properly registering as a charity. So how do you reconcile all those documents with the, do- with the denial of the story? Well, I'm actually glad you asked that question. Because this is one more example of Herschel Walker and his allies lying. First of all, there were no evictions. And the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that. And my church has no direct involvement in the day-to-day operations of that apartment building. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that. What you're dealing with right now is a desperate candidate who's not here tonight And he's resorted to trying to sully the name of Dr. King's church, John Lewis's church, uh, for short-term political gain. That's enough. Right there, you got to love that, the name drop. He's sullying Martin Luther King's church and John Lewis's church. The paperwork is in the courts. It doesn't matter if you personally evicted people. The people you hired to manage the property were evicting people or trying to. He's such a fraud. Such a fraud. We're out of time for that. That's enough. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow because the crazy never stops. Appreciate you listening. Thank you.